You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Listen, there's something I never told you in all the 23 years I was the lead pastor. I'm going to tell you today. I'm working on my third marriage. (laughs) To Esther, I'm not the man she married. She's even better than the woman that I married almost 40 years ago. You say, how did that happen? Well, it's complicated. So it fits right into this series. This series began with our guest speaker giving us a great message from the Bible, what it says about being single. And I'm going to start out today by uh, giving everyone in this room, whether you're single or married, three, three already doings, all right? Because if you're single, I want to just sort of reach out and help you because before you get involved in any relationship, such as marriage, you need to already be doing these three things. And um, even to have a a healthy, deep friendship, uh, you need to have these three, you need to already be doing these three things. And then we're going to look at at, uh, six uh, keep on doings, all right? Uh, Esther and I uh, have been married almost 40 years. This, um, actually next month, we're going to be going on a trip for our 40th anniversary. And I know what you're thinking. You're just doing the math and you're thinking, yeah, and you're right. We married when we were 13 and 14. You know why? Already doing, before you get involved in any relationship, you already need to be doing these three things, all right? The first one is this, already receiving God's love. Already knowing, what I mean by that is, you really know how to turn to God as the source for love in your life. The Apostle John put it this way, he says, we know, we know God's love, and we rely on it. God is the source of love in our lives. Uh, You know, the deepest part of a human being is not physical. We know that. It's not emotional. It's not the mental, as deep as their thoughts can be sometimes. It's that spiritual part of us that's unique to a human from all of the animal kingdom, that we have this capacity to to, to be a spiritual being, to know this God who is spirit and experience his love. This, this is something that's unique to us. And, and watch this now. So many people try to find in another person what can only be found in? Yeah. And, and, and only God has what it takes to fulfill us spiritually. It's unfair to ask any other human. So, but you'll, you'll still hear it. You'll have singles that will say, I told you this a few years ago. I got something to add to it today. But I told you this a few years ago that, that I hear from singles all the time who will come to me and say, if only I was married, then I'll be happy. And then married couples come to see me and they say, if only we were single, then we'd be happy. And then people get married and say, oh, but what's missing? If only we had children, then we'd be happy. And then those children become teenagers and they say, if only we did not have children, then we'd be happy. And then we reach a stage of life where we say, if only I had grandchildren, then I'll be happy. And that is true. All right. So 
It's unfair to ask any human being to be the source of love in your life. Uh, only God has what it takes. We know and rely on the love that God has for us. Now watch this. And that means, watch this, when God fills that space, when you know how to receive, when you know how loved you are by God, then without the validation of any other person, or you go through a season where it doesn't seem that there's any affirmation of someone else's love, whatever anyone else thinks of me, Jesus loves me so much he gave his life for me. How many know I am loved? I'm loved. All right, second, you already need to be doing this. Already adequately loving, I put in there respecting yourself. Having that sense of identity, I'm loved, but I love myself, I love who I am. You say, that sounds so narcissistic and and self-centered and self-focused. Well, let's look at what Paul wrote to the Christians in Ephesus about this. He contextualizes it here. He says, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, loves who? Loves? Hmm. He who loves his wife loves himself. It's almost like a prerequisite for being able to love someone else, that you, you have this healthy sense of, you know, I really, really like who I am. Listen, if you hate yourself, you're not ready to, to love someone else. There needs to be something there. There's, you know, all of us are broken, right? I mean, until we go to be with Jesus, we're in this, on this journey of saying, Jesus, I want to be more like you. And we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ until that day when we are presented faultless before the Father, right? It, none of us are there. We're all broken. But in order to have a, rela- a deep relationship with someone, there needs to be what I like to call an adequate measure of wholeness. There needs to be a baseline of wholeness you need to, to love yourself in the sense that you love who you are, so you're not trying to find in that other person what you should be finding in your relationship with God. You're not being needy or codependent. You have something that, that you can give to that other person. So you, you love, you respect who you are. All right, there's a third already doing, and that is this, already sacrificially loving others. You know how to love outside of yourself. You know how to love others. Do you remember the best definition of love that uh, I told you that I've ever been able to come up with so far at least? And that is to sacrifice to bring about God's best in the life of another. And you know, the best example for that, and again in this scripture passage in our Bibles about marriage, Paul, Paul says that's exactly what, what Jesus does. He said this, Christ loved the church and, say it with me, gave himself up for her. Look at what love is. Love is sacrificially giving of yourself for the best interests of another. That's exactly the kind of love that we have when Jesus gave his life for us. Now, our, our popular culture, when they speak of love, what do they mean? So often the songs and the, uh, you know, the, the communication, 
in popular culture, it's, it's about romantic love or emotional love, and that's really superficial love. They don't even get into the good stuff. They don't get into the, the, the deep stuff. Uh, romance has a selfish dimension. Real love is sacrificial. In real love, you want the other person's best. In romantic love, you just want the other person for yourself. Sex is focused on in our culture as something you do for yourself. In real love, you, you sacrifice things that you want for yourself, like sex, for the good of the other person. So watch this now. Uh, in God's plan for singlehood and then marriage, his plan is that, first of all, there's that spiritual union. Can you imagine? And I hear people all the time. They live the rest of their life married to someone that they can't even share that which is most important to them, that which is deepest to them, and that is their relationship with Jesus, the relationship with God, yes. And, and, and so God's plan is that we, we first of all, we, there's that spiritual union, someone who knows Jesus that we link up with. And then there's the mental union where we plan life together. There's agreement, there's compatibility to, to continue life together. And then in marriage, there is the physical union. So you go spiritual, mental, and then physical union. There's that sexual togetherness in the marriage union. Now, I don't need to tell you, our culture has got this reversed, right? It's the physical attraction. You got the chemistry happening. You feel the love, you know, you just, you, just, you just got this happening and then they start with the physical attraction. Very rarely, sometimes and they will get to a mental union where they talk about long-term life together and, you know, and, and then rarely will they ever get to the spiritual togetherness and intimacy that, that is the deepest part of our human being. All right, so... I'll, I'll just, maybe I'll just throw this in, that um, a lot of what Esther and I enjoy in terms of closeness in our marriage today is because we, we followed God's plan in coming together. And especially in the realm of trust. There's such a trust there because you know you can trust that other person. And so all I'm just saying is God's plan. How many know we hear enough about the other plan? <laughs> we need to hear God's plan works. God's plan works. All right. So what are the three already doings? Well, first of all, already receiving God's love. Do you know what it's like to, for God to be the source of love in your life? Already adequately loving yourself already sacrificing for others' best. In other words, you've matured enough in life, you know what real love is. All right, those are the three already doings. Now we're ready to talk uh, to married people about the three or the six keep on doing. You say, why three for single people and six for married? Because how many know marriage is more complicated than being single? <laughs> Obviously, there's another person in the equation. It is going to be more complicated. All right, here's the first one. Keep relying on Jesus as your source for both love and submission. Now, we're jumping back into that Ephesians passage where the Apostle Paul teaches us about marriage. And he says this. Listen, I need to say this before I show you this, this first verse. 
I learned early on as a young pastor in my early 20s that if, when a couple came to see me, if, if, a, if the husband didn't know any other verse in the Bible, he knew the one I'm about to show you. Listen, he may not even know John 3.16, God so loved the world, you know, but he'd know this verse, and he'd only know the first part of it. Wives, submit to your husbands. He'd, know, he'd have that one memorized, you know. And he wouldn't even know the second part. Say it with me. Whose responsibility is it to submit? It's as unto the Lord. Who is the wife's example of submission? Jesus. Jesus. You see... Jesus is equal to God, but he submits himself to God to accomplish the plan of salvation for the human race. And in order for a relationship... But, but you, know, you know what else, too? The, 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 the topic of marriage actually begins in the verse before this. And do you know what the verse before this says? Submit yourselves one to the other. How many know a husband is to submit too? Husband and wife, they submit their best one to the other. Now... Then it goes on to say, husbands, love your wives. How? Oh, let's set the bar pretty high here. <laughs> Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Again, there's that sacrificial. We are to love our wives. Who's our example? Jesus, the way he loves the church. Always wanting to do what is best for his bride. How many know in the Bible... Uh, a number of times, the church is called the bride of Jesus Christ. Important to know that for what we're going to see in a few moments. And so, Jesus loves his bride. He sacrifices for his bride. He, everything he does is always in the best interest of his bride. And, he, and so, this is quite a high standard here for husbands. Love your wives the same way that Christ loves his church. You know, it, it's the same as when we're singles then. So it is when we're married. We go to Jesus to be the source of love. You know, um, it means we don't try to find in our spouse what can only be found in the Lord. And, and that means that, that I will love Esther, my wife, but it will be with a deficient love if I just try and love her with the love that I come How many know romantic love comes and goes? Feelings come and go. If, if, if all I have to give to Esther is um, a feeling of love, how many know Esther's in trouble? But when I have God's love and his love for me, I have that as my source, then Esther's going to be just fine. Because I can love her the way that God loves me with the example, the model of how Christ loved the church. I mean, what would happen? What would happen to us as his church if, if, if Jesus depended on his feelings, a feeling level of love to determine his actions towards us? Listen, do you really think Jesus felt? Did Jesus feel like having his body torn apart on the cross in the crucifixion? Did Jesus feel like being separated from his father that he had been one with from eternity past? Did Jesus feel like drinking from that cup of human filth and depravity when he drank that cup for us? 
No, Jesus, precisely the opposite. He, it's love because he didn't feel like it and he went ahead and did it for us. Do you see that? Love is not feeling, it is sacrifice. It's you sacrifice to do something, even when you don't feel like it. You know, you hear these little statements about marriage. You know, marriage is like a ring. No, no, mar- no, here it is. Marriage is like a phone call at 2 a.m. First you get the ring, and then you wake up, you know. And then listen to the cynicism in this one. Someone said, marriage is like a romance novel where the hero dies in the first chapter. <laughs> but, but there is some truth in that last one. There is some truth because dies, denies, dies to self, right? Sacrifices. So now when I'm just not feeling the love for Esther, you say, does that happen? Well, I just said it. <laughs> she can still be loved because I have real love. I have a love that goes deeper than my feelings. It's, it's a sacrifice. It's a commitment. It, it's a dying to self-love. Jesus is the source of that love. How many understand? Keep relying on Jesus as the source for both love and submission. Amen? All right. Second, keep leaving your father and mother. (laughs) I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) Pastor Jonathan is at Claire Lee today, and and he's going to be speaking to them about money, and then he's going to come here once he gets his message really good there, and he's going to speak there. I'm going to get my message on marriage really good and be at our other campus, Claire Lee, next week. And, and speaking to them. And by the way, I just have to insert, this has nothing to do with uh, the message, but listen, folk, maybe Pastor Jonathan already told you last week, because I was visiting my mom for Mother's Day and while I was out in Vancouver for a, a conference of all the Pentecostal churches across Canada, but our Dr. Van took on a huge part of our national conference. He's leading us in what has been done many times over our history, the rewriting, updating of our statement of fundamental and essential truths, and you'd be so proud of the leadership and the message uh, that, that he gave. I know I'm a bit biased, and I know he's not he- used to hearing me say anything good about him, but anyway, it was, if you ever get on the POC website, go to the Wednesday morning message that Dr. Van gave. He just is really helping give amazing leadership to our fellowship. And if you want to thank him for that right now, that would be all right. All right, let's try this again. Keep leaving your father and mother. (laughs) You say, where did he get that? Well, Pastor Jonathan taught us last week, you never stop honoring your father and mother, right? Even if they're flawed, even if they failed you, there's a way to honor them. He taught about that last weekend. But watch this. For this reason, a man will, say it with me, leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. What does that mean? Well, it obviously doesn't mean to dishonor them. It doesn't mean to cut them out of your life. No, it means the relationship is totally different now. It's not, it's about you going on with your spouse and building a relationship where you don't just repeat what your father and mother did. You go beyond what they did to build the best relationship, the best union that you can have with Jesus Christ as the center. Do you see that? 
You go beyond. You go beyond. Let me give you some examples. Household roles. I don't know how many times you talk to couples, well, he doesn't help do this and she doesn't. Well, and and you, you, you trace it back and it comes from what they expected because of what they saw in the home that they came from. And if they're from a single parent home, they're working with a blank many times, just filling it in with what they think maybe it should be, the ideal so many times. And so we need to be careful here. You know, when it comes to garbage, taking it out, and who does the dishes, who handles the finances, who takes care of the car, oil changes, who takes care of getting life insurance. By the way, the voice of experience here, I've never in my 40 years had one argument with Esther when I was vacuuming. Anyway, I just... (laughs) And then children come along. Children come along... How many know when children show up in the home, your workload increases exponentially? It just increases. And, and I came from a home, my dad, he didn't do diapers. I don't think he knew what was in a diaper. Maybe he'd seen it in documentaries, I don't know, but he, he just didn't seem to, to know. And so I remember when our David showed up and just, how does this work? You know, I had to be trained. Anyway, is this, how many do we need to find our own division of labor? Watch this now. According to our strengths and our schedules. Come on, if both are working outside the home, let's, let's, let's have a different division of labor if we come from a home where, where that was not happening. Now, it can happen in another way. Emotional baggage. Emotional baggage. Unresolved issues from father and mother. Listen, you can fail to leave your father and mother because you try to do conflict the way you saw them doing it. Or you do anger. Well, it just was familiar to you to see someone just do anger. And it wasn't a scriptural way of doing anger, but you sort of are familiar with that and you transfer that over into the marriage. How many know you need to leave your father and mother? And you need to build the kind of union that Jesus Christ wants you to have. Some will say, yeah, my my father never prayed. So? So you're going to let your dad's lack of prayer together with the family be your high watermark? That's as far as I'm going to go. My dad didn't, so that justifies. No, no, no. How many understand the best way to have a marriage is to say, Jesus, we leave our father and mothers. We can learn from them. But we're not going to only go as far as they went. We're going to go as far, Jesus, as you want us to go in our marriage. Right on? And so you go for the very best that Jesus has for you. All right, third. Third. Keep appreciating your spouse's ability to increase your holiness. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. Anybody that's been married longer than two years knows what I'm talking about. Um, Look at what Paul teaches about marriage, about how Jesus loves his church, okay? Look, look what happens. Jesus, when he loves his church, he makes her holy, okay? Now, anytime you see the word holy, just put W in front. It means complete, perfect, holy, altogether. Nothing broken, nothing missing. That's what holy means. Cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. That's the, 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 by the scriptures. And to present her to himself as a, say it with me, a radiant church. Imagine, his, the bride of Christ is glowing here. She's radiant. She knows she's loved. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. God's purpose for marriage is not, some people, they say, well, I, I, 
marriage is to make me happy. No, marriage is to make me? Yeah. It's, 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 it's this iron sharpens iron relationship where one just can bring the best or the worst out of the other. And uh, when you humble yourself and you're unselfish, how many know he makes you more whole in the marriage relationship? Um, Esther and I can both say that we've had to learn to be more whole uh, because we were married. Stuff that you discover, stuff comes up from the past. One of, them goes, one of us goes through something. One of us finds something you need to get rid of in your life. You grow in patience or else. You know what I mean? You just, you just grow. You grow. It's the only option is to become more holy. And communication is central. Speaking of communication, number four, keep talking to reconcile, not to win. How many have fights and keep score? Don't put up your hand. But there's some people that do. They have fights. Hey, I remember you won this one. I'll win the next. You know, it's just like keep talking to reconcile not to do you know what the five big topics of marital conflict are here they are money sex in-laws children communication how many just breathed a sigh of relief and said hey i'm normal <laughs> my marriage is normal or, or how, how many could could turn to your spouse right now and say hey we're doing five out of five <laughs> Money, sex, in-laws, children, communication. And when you, and, and, and listen, it is so complicated when you start to talk about it. Communication is complicated. You know, there's what you said. There's what you thought you said. There's what they heard. There's what you thought they heard. There's what you meant to say. There's what you thought they meant that you thought that you meant that they thought you said. You know what I'm saying? It just gets complicated. I was speaking at a couple's banquet in Calgary, and, and you know, I could just see them there, you know, this noisy room, it was in a gym, and I didn't know them, they didn't know me, I was introduced to be the speaker, I was supposed to speak on communication and marriage, and I stood up in front of them and I said this, I said, my marriage to my wife changed for the better when I stopped listening to what my wife said. Now, they didn't know me, and I left a quite a pause there, apparently too long of a pause. <laughs> Every female in the room was giving me a combination of raised eyebrows and cut eye, you know, just like this. <laughs> and then I finished the sentence. I said, our marriage changed for the better when I stopped listening to what Esther said, and I listened to what she meant. I tried to discover what she was trying to say. And that, that is so important in communication, because it's not winning, it's trying to reconcile. It's not undermining the other person, it's trying to understand where they're coming from. Uh, when you have one of those arguments in your marriage relationship, do, do you want to be right, or do you want to be right with that other person? Good question. All right, number five, keep bringing the best out of each other. Keep bringing the best out of each other. Listen to how Paul describes Jesus' love will do in a long-term relationship where there's just, you know, uh, there, there's failures of his bride and he just keeps loving and, and, and reaching out and helping and she becomes a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. There it is, right, right 
in a talk about marriage. He talks about his church becoming like that. Um, I have a question for every married person here. Now, do not say anything out loud. Don't even smile at me. Just, just answer it in your heart. Do you sincerely, think about your spouse now, do you sincerely want your partner to become the very best person that they could ever possibly be? Do you? Do I sincerely want Esther to be the very best that she could ever possibly be? You see, that's Jesus and his church. He, he wants a, he, his love results in us being that radiant church. No stain, no wrinkle, any other bump. Just, just that beauty that is there. I mean, there's lots of studies that explain that, you know, women are different than men. You know, they, one study says it starts from the womb, right? Have you ever read that one? Uh, I'm going to jump ahead to another study that was done by the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, over a, a thousand um, couples, or individuals, I should say, men and women, and they mapped the neural connections in the brain over a period of 14 years. All right, just going to give you some of the bottom line uh, results or conclusions. The female brain appears to be highly connected across the left and right hemispheres. In the male brain, the connections seem typically stronger between the front and the back regions. And of course, each part of the brain has its strengths. Uh, researchers discovered that men's brains are better suited to acts requiring perception and coordinated actions, while women's brains are better suited for social skills and memory, which naturally makes them better multitaskers. Well, listen to one of the conclusions. Here's where I'm going with this now. It's quite striking, one of the co-authors of the study says, it's quite striking how complementary the brains of women and men really are. When they're so complementary, when one has strengths the other doesn't, then why do we compete? Why don't we, listen to me, why don't we complete? Why do we compete? Why don't we complete? You know, I mean, Esther's got strengths I don't have. There, 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 there are a couple of things I thought of this past week that Esther will say that will immediately put fear and panic in the heart of Keith Smith. <laughs> you know, I just, one is, do you know what day it is today? I'm thinking, stink it, anniversary. Thank God her birthday is December 24th. I just thank God for that every year. You know what I'm saying? The other one is this. Notice anything different? Oh, dear Lord. I always go for the hair. Your hair, your hair looks beautiful. Even if you got it wrong, at least you gave her a compliment, right? So it's just, it's just she has strengths. But listen, beyond gender differences, there are personality differences, right? I mean, you, you can have a woman that has strengths that are more typical of a man having. So you can't just generalize here. There are strengths that they have. But the danger is that we will, at any point in time, we will use those strengths to compete with each other instead of, say, complete. So important. And when you want your partner to be the very best that they can possibly be, how many know you just use your strengths to complete them? Jesus wants his bride to grow and become more and more radiant. What do you want your spouse to become? 
I've noticed that over time, you know, and, and just seeing some people, Dr. Van, you know, have you ever noticed when you were at a conference how, how other people you haven't seen since last conference, a couple of years ago, they have aged a lot. Whereas we have not changed. You know, we, I recognize you out there right away. We had not changed, but they had changed, you know. Um, but you meet people, and so many times you can tell that someone got married and they become less than what they were before. Some people get married and they shrivel. Other pe people get married and they blossom. They become more than what they were before. Do you see that? That, that's, that, that means that their spouse has had that attitude towards them. I want you to become the best that you can possibly be. Ready for number six? No? We're going to go there anyway. <laughs> Keep viewing marriage as a way of ministering to others. You know, Paul, when he writes about marriage, he says, you know, this, this whole marriage and Christ loving the church, he says it's a profound mystery, but he says, I am talking about Christ and the church. How we do marriage as Christ followers is to be a picture. <laughs> Reveal to the world a picture of how we just sacrifice. We keep loving through failures and successes, through tough times and good times. We're just there for each other. It's a, it's, it reveals something of... God's love for his church to the world. You know, I, uh, there are huge advantages to having Christ in the center of your life and the center of your marriage. You know, if ever you see, we live right across from Fairview Mall. I've never been in a mall so much in my entire life. Used to be once a year for Christmas now. Anyway, so we, we, if you ever see Esther and I in the mall, you'll notice I'm always holding her hand. Always, yes, amen, yeah, always holding her hand. I, we walk by stores, I keep holding her hand. <laughs> She's interested in looking in something in that one, I just keep holding her hand. I know, I know what you're thinking, isn't that romantic? No, it's economic. But the fun and the joy and the delight that we have, you know, I, listen, I'm going to be really transparent with you now. I don't know whether we'd be holding hands if it weren't for Jesus. Listen, I'm telling you the truth. If I had not learned that my job was to love my spouse the way Christ loves me, where would our marriage be? I'm proud enough that where would I be if I had not been told you need to forgive as Christ forgives you, where would I be? You know, I don't know where a marriage would be without humility and unselfishness. And I wouldn't have that if it weren't for Jesus in my life. And see, and when you have that, then you have a marriage that's strong enough that you reach out to other people. All right? You reach out to other people. Keep viewing marriage as a way of ministering to others. Some people just get married and they're just all caught up with each other. Oh, we're just so lovey-dovey. And then they have two kids, us four and no more. You know, just, they're just so self-centered. God's plan is that our marriage would reveal Jesus to the world. Do you see that? And the, the way we do family, the way we raise our children reveals Jesus to the world. I wrote a letter for, to Esther for our 25th anniversary, hard to believe, 15 years ago. But when we were away and special trip and, and uh, none of your business. Anyway, we, we just, a great trip. But I wrote her this letter and I can quote from it because I know what I said. I didn't even have to look it up. I said, you know, Esther, it's been said that 
uh, that love for some consists at gazing into each other's eyes. And for other people, it's looking outward in the same direction together. I said, Esther, we've done our share of both. We're looking into each other's eye, but looking outward in the same direction together. Our prayer has always been, I hope it is in your marriage, Lord, make us more effective as a married couple than we ever could have been as two singles. You see, God's plan for marriage is that you would bless others. All right, so what are you going to pray about? As we move into our prayer time now, if you're single here, what are you just going to, you know, we, we all of these nine areas we all can grow in, but what's the one you're going to say, Jesus, how I need to really grow in this area in particular. Choose one of them. All right, so if, if we're single here, we could say, Jesus, I want to grow in this area, this area. I want to keep doing, keep relying on Jesus as your source. How many need to learn more what it is to have Jesus as the source for love in your life? And stop depending on others to do that for you. All right? Keep uh, or already loving and respecting yourself. Boy, you know, how, how many of you say, well, I just have these issues and I hate myself. Well, listen, you know, there's a lot of good uh, Christian material and the Holy Spirit's there to help. And, and you can pray about that. What about already sacrificially loving others? How many could just do a whole lot better at maturing in love by making it about others and not about yourself? And so there's a lot of things we can do. And then when we're married, what about this? Which, which one of these are you going to choose just to pray about when I lead you in prayer in just a few moments? What, what about relying on Jesus as your source for both love and submission? Jesus, I need to depend on you to be the source of love in my life. What about leaving your father? How many, when I talked about some of those things, you need to say, hey, we're going to have a made by Keith and Esther union here. We're going to have a made by our, ourselves union here going forward. You need to pray about that. How many others going to appreciating your spouse's ability to increase your holiness? Just to work on stuff together as iron sharpens iron. How many are going to work on your communication and you're going to talk to resolve or reconcile? Not just to win. It's going to change the way you, you argue going forward. Keep bringing the best out of each other. Is that really what you want? Just Maybe you just could pray about that attitude. Jesus, I want to bring the best out of my partner. And then keep viewing marriage as a way of ministering to others. God, make us more effective as a couple than we ever could have been as two singles. All right? So singles, marrieds, let's pray, shall we? Let's pray together. Jesus, first of all, thank you for being that constant, faithful, unstoppable source of love in our lives. We want to get better and better at receiving that love and depending on that love, relying on the love that you have for us. And we also thank you that you don't just teach us how to uh, go to eternity and have our sins forgiven. You teach us how to live as singles and how to live as married couples. Thank you for the truth of the Bible. It helps us so much. So Lord, be Lord of our relationships. Help every one of us in this room to grow in relationships. We, we've all, we could grow in all nine areas, but we're choosing one or two or three, or, and we're just saying, Jesus, I humble myself. I want to grow in that area. I want to live this out. I want to have real love happening 
in my life and through my life. So we pray about whatever is especially speaking to us today. We pray you'd help us. Help us not to beat ourselves up when we, because of habit, get it wrong again, but help us just to keep moving forward, growing in your grace and truth, learning to love better and better as we become more like Jesus. And then, Lord, together as a church, help us to grow in relationships so that uh, we become the bride of Christ, radiant, that this world needs to see. Help us grow as singles and marrieds to shine as your bride in a world that desperately needs to know what real love looks like. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.